Splot Studios, home of the educational internet phenomenon, Detective Science, proudly presents... Tom Hanks Giving, right here every Tuesday. Tom Hanks Giving, come on and press play. There's Elvis, the host with the most, yada 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 yada. With a different guest each week, they're the smart ones. Each episode's a new movie, about Tom Hanks, the man himself, of course. It's time for Tom Hanks Giving. It's the best you can get. It's the rootinest tootinest podcast on the internet. Tom Hanks Giving. Howdy, partner, and welcome to Tom Hanks Giving. I'm Elvis with an E, and today we're talking about 2011's Larry Crown, uh, directed by... Tom Hanks, starring Tom Hanks, written by Tom Hanks and Nia Vardalos, who is of the uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding fame. They're like, they, that's where that partnership comes from, because he's always been a producer on those movies. Uh, very excited to talk about Larry Crown, and today we are joined by Henry Lovner. How's it going? Good. Elvis with Why do you say Elvis with an E? Because he says Larry Crown. Crown with an E. Oh, nice. Wow, you are already referencing the movie. Dad, trying to get into it. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up, because probably nobody would be like, what the fuck does that mean? That's like deep Larry Crown reference. deep Larry Crown. Only the the crown heads are going to get that one. Yes, the true royalty. Oh, boy. Uh, That's what we call ourselves, apparently. Do they exist out there? Like, people who are just crazy for Larry Crown? Uh, Yeah, like the crown crown heads? I could see that. Um, No, no one's... This is no Crown one's favorite movie is Larry Crown. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I I saw it for the first time uh, this morning and uh, me too. It wasn't pretty. I I feel like as I was watching, it's like I'm gonna have more nice things to say about the movie than Henry will. I'm positive. It is a real bloodbath. But it's it's pretty lousy. Um, <laughs> Lousy uh, is such a good way to describe it. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm not, like, mad about it. No, no, it, it, that's the thing. It functions as a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, like, got a, yeah. I, I, I normally don't do this, but I, I felt it was especially appropriate for, for this episode. So I pulled up some critical response. Uh, I looked on Wikipedia, and I just have to say what Roger Ebert said, because oh, it's yeah. fantastic. It's spectacular. Um, oh, Jesus, I hated that. <laughs> I love so obnoxious. The best part though is how he used it over the Playtone logo. It's like spectacular. It's yeah. like oh, this is gonna be a a, me- a beast. But Roger Ebert said he gave it two out of four stars, and he said that the film has a good premise and a colorful supporting cast, but what it doesn't have is a reason for existing. Yeah, I mean, today I want to find out if there is a reason for this movie to exist. And that's that's what we're going to talk about today. Speaking of critics, I'd like to use I'd like to 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 quote a French critic uh, who was reviewing a show um, called Marseille, which is a new show on Netflix. It's kind of like France's answer to House of Cards, starring Gerard Depardieu. I haven't seen the show, but I'm mostly interested in the critic about who talked about the show. He just said. Uh, to watch it is to suffer. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which I feel a little bit... Uh, I, I was f- feeling a little bit of that watching Larry Crown. Re- suffering? Be, it was that bad. It was pretty bad, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I was, it was bad. I, but there was no suffering. And this was not a Marauders, which is the worst movie I've seen this year. Oh, Marauders. What's that? Uh, it's Bruce Willis' picture. Yeah, it was super low-budget indie thing. I went to a screening and the director was there. 
And uh, I, the only reason I didn't boo is because the director is there and I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Hopefully oh, he's not guy. listening to this. But it was a very, very bad movie. You know, really that smart, was suffering. talented people can make bad movies. My, my one Case in point. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I, I've made bad, uh, I've made bad stuff before. Oh, I've um, made mostly bad stuff. Yeah, uh, the podcast. Well, no, we'll the leave podcast that is great. I'm all about the podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, I can just see how this movie happened. Like, mm-hmm. reading a little bit about why. So it's Tom Hanks's friend. It's based off of the Tom Hanks's friend story, right? Yes, Tom yes. Hanks is clearly not a writer, right? So he, whoa, whoa. We are forgetting a little thing called That Thing You Do, which we've talked about on the po- podcast Did he write previously. That? He wrote and directed it, and that displays a command of filmmaking talent that is not on display here. Well, I want to know I, what happened. I, I mean, I, you know, the guy made one, wrote one movie. I don't want to take that away from him, but, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this movie. He is, himself might be a one hit wonder. It, it, the, the script is, oh, that's very ironic. The script is a real trash fire. It's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I have some theories on that, but continue. You know, I can just imagine him in the room with uh, uh, what's Nia? Nia, Nia, and she doesn't want to say no, Mister Hanks. That's probably not a way to go about it. And you know, now she's also similarly is kind of a one hit wonder as well, right? Like, well, here's my theory, and and obviously I'm not going to completely absolve Hanks of his responsibility here, but on that thing you do, which is a quality film. He's the sole writer on that picture. Mm-hmm. This movie, he shares writing credit with uh, his friend from the My, My Big Fat Greek Wedding family. Yeah. And now I am not that familiar with that series, that franchise uh, of pictures, but it seems like that kind of lightness with the drama and this, I would imagine the, the Larry Crown and that kind of, that franchise sharing a lot of the same problems. So I'm wondering if she, her half, is bringing in a lot of these, like, let's make it light and airy. And Hank's that like, could yeah, be. yeah, let's just go for it. I mean, that could be. I don't think that anyone would describe that thing you do as, as much but light and airy. Right? That's a pretty light fare, right? It is. It's true. But it's it's tight. It's a very well-paced film. It's it's. I mean, it's this fascinating Larry Crown... I mean, in, in in a phrase, there is no story. Like, there is no conflict. There is no reason for being, which is to say it has no point of view. There is no conflict. Larry Crown's, it, it rarely has anything but a smile on his face. It, um, I, it we could talk for hours about why this is a bad movie. Oh, I do want to talk about uh, why this is a bad movie. Is there movie. any sort of structure to how we're going to break this problem down? Well, okay, there's a few key points I want to talk about. Let's start, let's, I mean, let's stick with the story and kind of feel, feel like, how did this happen and what went wrong? Because... Yeah, how did this happen is such an interesting... Because, okay, it's a, it's a starring, it's, it's later in Hanks' career. He hasn't done... A lot of uh, he hasn't done a romantic comedy in a while. He doesn't have a lot of. Uh, this is more when he's in his dramatic period. Yeah. Um, but it's a starring movie for Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts, and uh, I mean it's interesting because I I think this is well past the time when most you know movies can't open to for just on star star appeal. Mm. But, I mean, it's Tom Hanks and Julie Roberts. So, it's true. you know, if anybody can open a movie, yeah, they, they can do it. But they didn't do so well. And the, the other thing I find really interesting, and this is something neither of us can really speak to, but this is not a movie for us. This, 
like the the uh, box office, all the tickets, like seventy one percent of tickets were sold to people fifty years and older. Wow. And yeah, less than a fourth of it were under twenty five. Um, so this is for an older audience. Like I mean, it's dealing with that subject. He's a middle aged guy. He's uh, going back to school, that's not something we really can, can identify with. Even if we were at a point where we're going back to school, it, it still feels youngish. I mean... So who... I mean... I... Do you... I, when you get older, do you stop caring about conflict and real things? No, I don't think that... I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean... And this feels there's like... There's some credit. Maybe I would enjoy it slightly, slightly more if I was older. But but the, it's the like how you, you enjoy yo play when you're older. It's just bad yogurt. It's light and airy, and it it's easy. I you know this movie it, feels like applesauce. I mean, this idea of relatability, I think it, it was deeply absent from this movie in the sense that it lacked any degree of specificity. Like there, the the situation and character could not be more generic, right? He works at Walmart, but we never it never really like made you feel as though you were watching truly watching the story of a man who worked at Walmart, was laid off from his job, is a, is a single man also. They never really address no. the issue of him like dealing with the issue of loneliness or does he want to ha- get married? Does he not want to get married? Does he it, want kids? He doesn't want kids. No, there was no implication that he was looking for romance. He was unhappy with being single. It's a man who didn't want anything. It, you know? it, 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 yeah, I think it, the beginning kind of works is like, it's like, oh, he's like a Pleasantville-ish uh, level of... Oh, he's just a very nice, charming guy who loves his job. I, I got that implication that this was a guy who really loved his mediocre job. And that wasn't enough to base a whole movie around, but for the first, like, ten minutes, I was like, okay, this is something. I understand what the premise is. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but whole, he, It was so poorly directed, too. Oh, God. Everyone was... All, the char- all of the characters in this movie are idiots. <laughs> There's no intelligent character in this movie, and maybe with the exception of Julia Roberts, and Julia Roberts is so deeply unlikable in this movie. Well, she's a depressing alcoholic in this movie. And and is just so cynical and and mean and like pissy and and like I kind of I I maybe the character I like the most was her husband played by... Uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. I can't believe Brian Cranston's in that movie. We're going to talk about Brian Cranston in a little bit. I have a lot to say about him and his role. Uh, but you're right. There's there's a, a significant lack of identity to Larry Crown. And... Um, I mean, I can't imagine an old person watching this movie, and even an old person wa- who watched this movie, and it was, it was someone who was not college-educated, who had gone back to school at a late age... I really find it hard to believe that they could have found a lot of meat on those bones because, like, it wasn't as though he was really dealing with, like, I don't think, you know, I mean, think, talk about, like, BuzzFeed, right? We always do these, like, you know, like, the relatable moments of uh, some particular identity or experience. What would be, like, the 15 relatable struggles of Larry Crown as a new student? There weren't any. Like, he had no struggles. His life was fucking easy. Like, he shows up, all of his classes were sort of pleasant, and everyone really liked him. He immediately made friends for no particular reason. Everybody latched on to him. Like, the, the young, beautiful, weird feminist yeah. girl, like, atta- the literal, like, Manic Pixie Dream Girl just attaches himself because yeah. he also rides a scooter? He doesn't have to try to achieve it. He has no, there are no challenges. It's just, 
So, you know, without I mean, it's pretty struggle, accurate for a struggle for a middle-aged straight white guy, though, in America. Yeah. yeah doesn't I have to try to do anything. That's very true. But Opportunities just fall into his life. I wrote down when he got fired, he drove home in this insanely expensive car to his humongous home. His house is beautiful. <laughs> and it's like, beautiful. I'm just writing down low stakes in my notes. Yeah, really. Like, he has no dependence, you know, no one to rely, no one's relying on him. I mean, I think so much of identity and and relatability, like, the reason why we relate to other people is because they share our struggle. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Or we recognize a struggle within them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, we recognize the struggle within them. I mean... And that's just not relatable. Not just within, within uh, like, uh, when I when I say that, I'm sort of referring to like hypothetically. You know, you were talking about like, well, we're not the demographic, but like, wh- the perfect demographic for this movie would be someone who's had this exact experience, <laughs> right? If like, someone, I guess the Chandler guy or whatever his name was, uh, his friend. Right. Exactly. So like, if this guy watches this movie, does he feel like, oh, Larry Crown's struggle is my struggle? Well, like, Larry Crown doesn't have any struggles. So like, I mean, he gets fired. And then he goes back to school. But, like, his financial woes seem to sort of just disappear as soon as... He, like, he goes back to school, but, like, the, the whole real estate... Also, the fact that... Oh, my God. The whole... He takes economics... Anyone who's... That movie was clearly written by someone who's never been to an economics class yeah. before. First of all, George Takai is just completely talking gibberish. <laughs> None of those are economics terms. And the fact that, that he would take an economics 101 course... And then turn around, and that would somehow inform his his uh, approach to like reevalu to reevaluating his mortgage is ridiculous. Yeah, like, and that's getting not what an economics course does. That's getting the bank uh, to take over all of his financial problems and helping finance. Uh, yeah, a, 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 a stop, upstart business. Yeah, he, he he basically I guess he just declares bankruptcy in the movie, right? Um, yeah, a strategic. Yeah. Foreclosure, right. specifically. Which, which is fine, but that's not what you'd learn in an economics course. That no. Would be maybe that's maybe super an accounting. Um, I don't know, that would be an accounting course. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be a one on one course, no matter what. Yeah, if it's like an economics, a macroeconomics one on one, you'd be learning like supply and demand curves and things like that. But anyway, that's hardly, that's really far from the problem with the, Yeah, this is uh, a, like, I mean, community is has higher stakes. About going back to school as an adult. Yeah, there's no stakes. Everyone, all the characters are just complete idiots. They're complete buffoons. You hate this movie. This is crazy. Well, the first five to ten minutes is especially frustrating because Larry Crown is immediately so annoying. You've, oh my God, you're finding Tom Hanks, his charm. He's somehow unlikable to be annoying. I mean, that whole part where they're like, I think you might be the employee of the month. And he's like, oh, like... I've been nine times. Yeah, that was so... Just made my skin crawl. um, And uh, It's all unearned empathy, I will say that. I I I think... Just because uh, I haven't, uh, you know, it's it's Tom Hanks. I've got a. The only time I've really despised Tom Hanks when it was in a role I wasn't supposed to despise yeah. him was Bachelor Party. Um, oh, interesting. Uh, so he, it didn't quite go that far for me here, but I I, I see your point. He's Al- there's no earned empathy here. You know what? Alternative pitch for this movie: if they were going to remake it, you get like a Billy Bob Thornton type character, and he is this wrecking ball. That goes from getting fired to in, enrolling in college and sleeping with his teacher and causing mayhem in school. Sort of like Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School. That is a much better premise. Yeah, like if he had actually... Because that was... A, let's jump ahead to one of the, the key scenes I wanted to talk about is where 
Julia Roberts is drunk, and she basically breaks it off with her husband. She, for no reason, throws herself at Larry Crown. Yes, when they've experienced no, like, the only no connection. mild connection was, like, she was upset that he was theoretically fucking a young yeah, 22-year-old. He, Not that she would have any personal interest, it's just like, well, screw that guy. Had no interest in him, and as you said earlier, she's this cynical, cold... Uh, just roughshod character and is completely different. So, you know, she's so drunk. She resembles nothing of her actual personality. So how can this at all be consensual in this moment? Yeah. It's just a kiss, but like, it's just this like weird manufactured conflict. Yeah. I think like writers often do do this thing where they, and I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this too, but they they get a character drunk so that they can they can manufacture conflict by having their, their main character make stupid mistakes and and um, it's also kiss in this movie it's also an easy way out to have oh but my real feelings came out uh, because you don't have any inhibitions when you're drunk yeah uh, which again it didn't feel like she was revealing anything it felt like oh this is new information. Um, and honestly, it felt like she was just mad at her husband at that during that scene. And if you're gonna have this scene, going back to your your Rodney Dangerfield version pitch, oh, uh, if better. if this had actually broken them up rather than just an f- argument about the cheesecake and her yeah. the size of her breasts, that whole that, that would have been something. <laughs> exactly right. If they had made the the husband a nice guy, that would have been so much better. The 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 fact that um, Brian Cranston's character was so he was such a caricature, like. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It, it, uh, my favorite scene with him is the first scene where he's introduced and he's watching porn. He's looking at photos and he's going like, "Oh, mama, oh, mama!" It's like <laughs> nobody fucking looks at porn and acts like that. Secondly, his wife comes home, and then he's like, "Hey, babe, I just had a great day of writing." And then she's like, "Okay," and he's like, "Why don't you believe me?" And it's like. <laughs> It's like the exposition is so poorly executed. Yeah. He's like, let me just dive into this monologue about <laughs> wh- what kind of conflict we're having in our marriage. That's There was no sort of organic, natural way to introduce no. this problem. And it wasn't like we were strapped for time. It was still the beginning of the movie. It's like, you can take some time to weave in a natural scene here, guys. Yeah, it, it was just... It was uh, very poorly done. Well, I have some interesting, stemming from Brian Cranston's character specifically, some interesting thoughts, uh, some considerations for you. Um, part of me, like, obviously, I have, I, I'm not sure where I feel with the whole who's, who's the real authority on this movie. Is this complete Tom Hanks? Because we saw a different movie where it was a much better put together and a sane version of the world. This movie, if this is. Maybe, I don't know if it's Nia or whatnot or combo. It's obviously a combo, but, like, part of me could believe, like, what if this is how Tom Hanks sees the world as an old man? And not in quite, like, the Clint Eastwood racist way, but he's like, oh, those young youth kids are so weird, but they're nice. And he basically it all boils down to this. I don't know if Tom Hanks watches porn. I don't know if he knows what porn is. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Because these are, like... What? You could see racier shots in magazines in 2011. Yeah, also there's like a part in that sequence where the guy's looking at pornographic photos on his computer and some of them are are in black and white and are from the 20s, which is really bizarre. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it does suggest that maybe Tom Hanks does not consume porn, which is very strange. It's kind of a... It's like uh, the like least a, relatable thing about him <laughs> is that he doesn't use porn. It kind of weirdly fits his brand super well as, like, this nice da- dad guy. Yeah. Because you don't really want to think about dad looking at porn, but it is very strange. and It, it, it like, is really weird. It, it speaks to, and we've talked about this on a couple episodes of the Tom Hanks Giving Podcast, how you don't see a lot of Tom Hanks sex scenes. Uh, oh, that's true. You see him, obviously, when he was younger, but, like, ever since he, you know, like, the 90s, there's been very little sex scenes. Yeah, that's so interesting. He is kind of, there's like, There's a lot a of Tom neutered... Hanks nudity, but... Is there Tom Hanks nudity? Well, like, like you get cast away. Like, not necessarily oh. total, but, like, you see a lot of his skin. I feel like in the terminal, you probably see his bare ass at some point. That seems like a good terminal joke. Probably. I mean, like, oh, the other ca- connection with the terminal is there's a, a gag where he's pushing a ton of shopping carts, because... Oh yeah, That's really I l- I love the terminal. I <laughs> do not like the terminal. I think it's his. I think it's Spielberg's weakest movie outside of the Crystal Skull. Uh, the fact that it's Spielberg is pretty crazy. It's for a Spielberg movie. It's pretty bad, but uh, <laughs> but I I. But you are charmed by it, Tom Hanks in that movie. There's something about it that I just find very. I just love like an Eastern European person in New York. I mm-hmm. could just watch that movie all day. Um, I watched Bridge of Spies recently, by the way. But that's a, I mean, a separate conversation. Great movie, though, right? I liked it. I was not crazy about it. I enjoyed it. Gee, harsh critic. Here's here. my thing about Bridge of Spies, and I know this is a podcast about Barry Crump. But I'll Here's your hot you take on Bridge cents. of Spies. Bridge of Spies, the whole emotional crux of that movie is about the relationship between Tom Hanks's character and the Russian, uh, the Russian spy. Yeah, and that complex relationship that. Tom Hanks is sacrificing for this guy. He's putting his reputation on the line. They have this wonderful dynamic. The Russian spy is sort of this interesting character, but very sort of dignified. And that's about the first half of the movie. And then Tom Hanks goes to Russia. The Russian spy is basically no longer a character in the movie. And Tom Hanks is just by himself floating around Russia. And there's no relationship to hinge the movie on. And at that point, you're just like, why is Tom Hanks even care at this point? Like, you didn't like him going for, for the second prisoner. Yeah, it didn't really, like, it didn't really, they didn't justify why he cared so much about the second prisoner, except his only excuse was that his daughter, his, his, his the associate at his law firm was the same age. Mm-hmm. It was a really weak motivation. Well, I, th- I think it was a little weak motivation. I think, like, the philosophy behind it is a good thing, and I guess it was probably based on the, the truth of kind of yeah. what this is all about. But uh, I agree, because even when they introduced that character who got trapped over there, it was like, we're like, how... At least halfway so through the movie. The movie. What, what are we doing? A, it needed to be a different movie, really. I mean, it, it, the, the challenge was that this guy just had led this really miraculous life where he happened to have done both of these things, both negotiated Gary Powers' return, return and have defended this, this... I mean, you could have just had one movie about that trial. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the, so. the same way you don't have to have everything in Lincoln... Uh, everything that happened in Abraham Lincoln's life being Spielberg's Lincoln. Yeah, it's yeah. Just it's just about the 13th. It's, it's a very hard movie to execute, but but I was not as crazy about it as some others were. But it's beautiful. It has great moments. I, I Tom Hanks is great in it, you know. But that, it, it's no Larry Crown. <laughs> it's certainly no Larry Crown. Bring it back. Uh, yeah, I don't know back. if uh, Tom Hanks knows what porn is. Um, I don't think he watches it or consumes if it. You ever, if you ever interviewed Tom Hanks, would I will you have corner to... him? 
<laughs> I will have to ask he's him like, this question. Tell me now. one porn that you've watched. And he's like, oh, it's, it's a woman and she's having sex. And she's having sex with the. Like, having sex with a. And be like, you've never seen porn. Have you? <laughs> he's like, bag of sand. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. Um, and the other thing is, like, if this, if we're going to take this movie as, like, this is what older Tom Hanks's worldview is, then does that mean Brian Cranston is the worst possible f- realistic version of a bad guy he can think of? He's like he's a guy who looks at porn, but he's married. Yeah, what's funny about Brian Cranston's character, too, is he just, like, they he was just so desperate to vilify this husband mm-hmm. for kind of no reason. Like, nothing! There's nothing wrong with looking at pornography so when you're in a relationship. To justify Julie Roberts not being with Brian Cranston, they just had Brian Cranston get a DUI. <laughs> and, and make and a say, comment on her breast size. And say that the reason that... He doesn't want to be with her is because her boobs aren't big enough, which is the, just like the most absurd thing for a husband to say to his wife. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about how deep and complex not just human relationships are, but like the relationship between a husband and a wife, for for a husband to, to just flat out say that the biggest problem in his marriage is that his wife's boobs aren't big enough is so bizarre and reductive and like is this? And like, how is if that's like, really that it's big of a problem? Such a cartoon. Like, how has it not come up before? I know. Like, why are you even married to her? <laughs> if that's like your fetish. And like, why is this reaching loggerheads now? Like, it's so weird. Like, I. But Brian Cranston's character was at least sort of interesting in that respect. I was I was kind of like fascinated by mm-hmm. how weird he was. Him and George Takai uh, were just highlights sort of, of the movie. Highlights of the movie, if only because they were so um, miraculously uh, unrealistic. Yeah. Um, uh, the further this, and sadly, it didn't really happen pretty much ever, even with these two accounts. But yeah. the further this movie got into weird, the better. And I don't really know if there was or a standout like the moment. the guy from that 70s show, I forget his name. Oh, uh, Fez was the character name. His name is Wilmer Valdarma. Oh, yeah, v- Wilder Valderrama. Valderrama, yeah. Valderrama, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he, like, his character was bizarre. Yeah. He was, like, a tough guy, but not. A, he didn't want to do anything to Larry Crown for, like, he thought molesting his girlfriend. <laughs> Again, another situation where there was no consequences, no drama. Yeah. Uh, and there so was perfect, like conflict. you had all the ingredients there. All the ingredients for conflict. They just should have made that guy like bad news, right? They should have made him bad news. And he goes and he kicks the shit out of Larry Crown. And then also the guys that, that Julie Roberts' husband goes and comes after Larry Crown. Because Larry Crown does something. Yeah. Like he kisses her when she is married. Like, come on, guys. Something could have... Like, you still could have had the romance... Well, the movie that you wanted to make, the one that exists, the ending you got. You could have had some stuff happen. Like, I part of me is like, I respect that, oh, you think he's going to be the douchey boyfriend, but he's actually kind of a nice guy. But it, not to the detriment of, like, stuff happening in the movie. I mean, it's just a disaster. <laughs> this movie is just fundamentally a disaster. But you know what? I don't, it doesn't make me, I mean, I, I, here's the thing about bad movies. Like, some people are so mean about bad movies with the way they talk about the director and the writers, and it's, it's so, like, there's so much vitriol, mm-hmm. and, like, 
And uh, I totally see how this movie could have happened. I don't even necessarily think that Tom Hanks and, and Nia are, you know, fundamentally bad writers or, or he is a bad director. I, we, we've seen evidence to the contrary. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a good testament of a couple of things. First, talented people can make bad things, can and do make bad things. Secondly, that there is a kind of alchemy involved in filmmaking that there, you know, there have to be a, a certain um, combination of ingredients that things go right and you have to get lucky a little bit. That being said, there were a lot of red flags on this script. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't, you know, even a, I just can't imagine anyone reading the script on the, on, uh, involved with this movie and thinking it was a good idea. I think if they had to be like, it'll just, we, we need to get this shot and it'll fly by on the charm of the leads. Yeah. And even, the, there's, and there's really not a lot of scenes between Julie Roberts and Tom Hanks for a, for a whole movie about their relationship. I mean, Tom Hanks is such a powerful figure in general and then presumably on this movie was like the final word Mm -hmm. you know I don't know if he got final cut probably not but still I mean he hasn't directed a movie since granted it hasn't been that long and it was 15 years since his last movie he directed yeah but uh Tom Hanks I mean clearly he's the one responsible for this thing (laughs) unequivocally we're taking you to task today Tom Hanks I mean he's the you know this is an auteur this is the work of an auteur you know and Mm -hmm. uh and I'm not saying Tom Hanks is a bad actor or fundamentally a bad writer or director but this is a this movie is bad this is his this is his Southland Tales to his Donnie Darko oh boy is that the same director Mm mhm Southland Tales is terrible one of the worst. I had the misfortune of watching that movie some time ago. And, uh, wow. Yeah, really bizarre. But, you know, to Southland's Tales credit, Southland Tales is, like, really ambitious. Like This movie lacks ambition Any entirely. ambition of, of, uh, of any kind. And Southland Tales was, like, <clears throat> they were swinging for the fences with that one. That one's, like, really weird. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's an ensemble cast. Like, it's, yeah. Weird genre. Yeah, you gotta you gotta appreciate uh, the ballsiness of something that fails versus this, which is like, I guess it succeeds in doing the absolute bare minimum. Yeah, I mean, Southland Tales will also probably remain a kind of cult phenomenon for how bad. It yeah, is. yeah, in the same way that you know the Room or Troll Two or something like that. So there's something to that. Th- again, I could see someone saying like, "Oh, this is my favorite movie because of reasons." No one's going to say Larry Crown's yeah, their favorite movie. Maybe the guy it was based on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's just a it's just a breadstick. But it's again, it's it's one of those movies it's so underwhelming in its in its errors and its lack of anything to say that it's essentially outside of script obviously. Like the acting is fine. There's no editing that you can point to. The cinematography is serviceable. It's so does everything just fine enough that it's, like, completely forgettable? Yeah, I mean, I I would say that I noticed the cinematography was, like, pretty bad. I think that's a function of Tom Hanks just not having enough directorial experience. Like, yeah, he directed a movie 15 years ago that, like, I don't know to what extent. You know, the way a movie visually comes together really varies. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you have really DP who's a really strong voice. Sometimes you don't. This movie, there were even issues with like line of sight. There was, there were issues yeah. with con- some continuity problems. There were there were weird issues just in terms of like the way it was shot. Was just like, 
there were a couple scenes in the diner that were weird, the way it was shot and edited. Um, Frank's Restaurant here in Los Angeles. Have you ever been? No, no. It's like two miles away. I've never been here. Oh, really? I gotta go now, though. Tom Hanks was probably just like wrote the movie in that restaurant or something. Basically, they, they kind of seems to me like they kind of wanted a, a paid vacation. It was like, let's just go do everything here. Make it the yeah. easiest possible it's a ten movie minute drive make. from my house. Yeah. Uh, that would not surprise me. The whole energy of the movie kind of, I think, is summed up with uh, the the sequence where he joins the scooter gang Jesus and they're playing Christ. that Tom Petty song. They How much money did they have to shell out to get the rights to that Tom Petty? Oh, the music in this movie, other than the Tom Petty song, is terrible. Yeah, it's it, terrible. It is the worst. Like, getting decent licensed music from, like... You know, we, I mean, you you have a lot of experience with this, just like finding mm-hmm. music on Warner Chapel or whatever, yeah. right? Like, it's very uh, easy to find decent music. And this music sounded like the music from a bad <laughs> early 90s TV show. It was so on the nose when it was like... It was just like shitty guitar. And just very bad. And even the score, uh, what was this, James Newton Howard? Uh, I mean, I guess... It, he did as he matched the movie with its unremarkableness. Which I mean, is maybe the nice the soundtrack is actually in that. That's an interesting point. It is perfect in a way. In yeah, that it is truly awful. <laughs> but yeah, the standout moment is the Tom Petty song, which Tom Petty does not license his mu- music very often. So I have to wonder if this is like a Tom Hanks thing, a favor almost. Oh well, I wonder how much of it though. Is it Tom Petty? Do you think he's the decision maker? I don't I have no idea. Uh, that, that's just what I've heard. This could be completely apocryphal. I'm not a music guy to begin with. Oh, I have happen. heard that before, <laughs> but take that with the bag of salt that Tom bag Hanks thinks women's can you imagine fuck? eating a bag of salt? <laughs> I can. I've, I've done I, almost that. I'd rather watch a movie about a man trying to eat a bag of salt. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would love Tom Hanks to play that character. Yeah. Uh, Either the bag of salt or the man. We'll call it Larry Crown, but... The story is just about him. It's a two-hour movie. A man has two... It's kind of like Saw. Yeah. He, he can't leave a room unless he is... eats an entire bag of salt. Yeah. Like a big, like... You know those bags of salt that's like... Um, it's like the girl and he has the, she has the umbrella and the salt's... Uh, what, what brand is it? Morton? Is that Morton, Morton Salt, yeah. Yeah, he has to eat an entire thing of Morton Salt. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't, they're going to kill his family. <laughs> and, and if he does, he'll probably die himself. So. Yeah, but he'll go down a hero. He will. You know? Hey, at least uh, he'll, his body will be immediately embalmed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Insult. Oh, I keep jump, jumping away from it, but that Tom Petty sequence where they're driving at like five miles per hour this gang of 16 scooters. Also, that whole scooter, like, sto- side story element of the story that he joins a scooter gang was just so apropos of nothing. Like, Well, the, the, any character under, what, 30 years old in this movie makes no sense. The cast is it, crazy, too. They have the fucking, the guy from Mr. Robot. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He plays, like, the, the really... Dumb kid? Really just cookie-cutter, stoner, yeah. college kid. They have, I recognize that blonde girl who's in his class from, she's in uh, Francis Ha, which is a great movie, um, which I watched, watched recently. Uh, but really strange cast, Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah, well, uh, we didn't have any black people in the movie. Yeah, well, the main, that main girl, the Manny Pixie Dream Girl was, I think, right, a person of color anyway. I don't know what her ethnicity is, but... Um, Talia, she plays yeah. she plays non-white. That's yeah. Well, that that scene that's important. 
that scene where well this is a pretty white movie uh, that scene where uh, there's that one black character who's in the class who's oh, the Star play, Trek yeah, fan yeah he's a Star Trek fan I didn't understand what was going I was really trying to understand what was going on in that initial scene where he's introduced and he runs up to the podium and there are the two other people who run up with him yeah I did not I didn't get that joke it? either and was it also a joke or what was it supposed to be I thought it was a joke but the other thing was like Oh, I think the joke was Tom Hanks gives his speech on making French toast. Then the stoner guy's like, oh, I'm going to give the same speech, but it'd be about toaster strudel or whatever. Yeah. And I think that clued in the rest of the class that, oh, I'm just going to do the exact same thing. I think it was it was one of the least effective jokes in the I, movie. I don't know if it was a joke. I don't have no idea what that beat was. I don't There were I a lot know. of weird beats. The beat where they all go to Frank's restaurant... Eyes of the Scooter Gang felt totally unnecessary. Why didn't they just go straight to the thrift thing? Like, it just... The whole thing is just so bizarre to me. That movie is just... Well, they had to establish Frank's Restaurant. They didn't have a reason for it yet. Although, isn't that when he gets the job? Oh, that's right. They had never established Frank's Restaurant. So Mm -hmm. the whole purpose of that scene is to establish Frank's Restaurant. Because he'll he'll work there later. Such poor writing. (laughs) (laughs) That's what this whole movie is like. Uh, Whenever it's like, oh, we don't know what's next, we'll just... Throw it in. Um, uh, yeah, and that, uh, that, going back to the Star Trek thing, like, th- these jokes, they're so easy. Like, not, like, and Julia Roberts mistakenly calls them Star Wars. Generic, yeah, so generic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, what were the other big, like, recurring jokes? Tom Hanks is, did, did, were you the only person, was I the only person who found Tom Hanks's hair to be kind of offensive? Like, just weird and, and oh. di- clearly dyed in the beginning? I wanted to bring this, yeah, okay, so you think, you're talking about the very beginning. Before he gets the haircut, his hair looks really weird. Really? I thought it looked, like, very unnaturally dark, and then it begets, becomes more sort of grayed later in the movie. I didn't notice that. I was wondering if he was wearing a wig in the beginning, and then... They just used his normal hair after the haircut scene. That's possible. Because his hair looks really strange if you watch the first 30 minutes of the movie or whatever. Hmm. Uh, not a detail I picked out myself. I did want to bring out, like, his his normal hair kind of takes over after the cut, but I feel like the first time, like, initially after the haircut, it's very pointed, very gelled almost. Did you... Yeah, it looks ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like... His, his wardrobe looks ridiculous. <laughs> it does not look he good at like all, He looks like a friggin' buffoon. Like, right? he can maybe pull off the, the skinny jeans a little bit, but the chain, far too much. Yeah, the wallet chain, that was just unequivocally bad taste. I don't think a 16-year-old could pull that off. I think it's a, a cheesy look. No, not, not since, like, 1995. Unless you're decked out in goth. Uh, yeah, it's not gonna work, buddy. I mean, and I just have profound respect for Tom Hanks. The, his body work is incredible, but this is just a gaff of <laughs> incredible <laughs> proportions. I rewatched. I was rewatching Orange County last night, incidentally. Oh Colin yes, Colin Hanks. I like not it. in this movie. Chet Hanks is in this movie. Though. He's the pizza guy. Is that a the brother? Is that a brother? That's a brother. Yeah, it's oh. another son. Good looking kid, Chet yeah. Hanks. I think I he went on to be. Hanks. I think he's the one who went on to be the rapper. Chen Hayes? No. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, no. But he's a, he was that nice in this guy. movie. <laughs> he's a rapper? Yeah. Ugh. It was a, it's a whole disaster. We yeah, haven't really poor, talked about it in the show family. yet. It's poor family. Uh, hey, Rita Wilson's in this movie, too, and she's great. Who is that? She was the... He, that's his wife. She was the, the bank uh, lady. 
That's his wife? That's his wife. Really? She's in a lot of his movies and a lot of movies. What else is she in? She's uh, She was the co-star in Volunteers. She's been in That Thing You Do. She's been in, I mean, name a Tom Hanks movie. She's That's right. In. Volunteers. Yeah. Fantastic film. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. He no. has a, does he have a British accent in that movie? He, he, he doesn't have a British accent. He has kind of like a, a New England, almost like a Fraser pompous accent. Oh, like a North Atlantic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's like pretentious. But that's, that really works because that's a movie where he's kind of despicable, but it, it totally works in his favor. Because like Yeah. In that John f- Candy's in that movie, right? It's a solid movie. You would be better. Your time would be better spent rewatching that than watching Larry Crown. Do, do we have questions about? Like, I feel like there's something to be discussed about. We talked about the why. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There must be. I feel like there's always so much to learn from bad movies. There is. Uh, well, I think it was interesting that this movie starts off. Or yeah, well, actually, we're probably about thirty minutes into it. But when we finally meet uh, Julia Roberts's character, she goes up to the chalkboard and writes care and underlies it. And she says, if you don't care about this class, I don't care about this class. You're not going to get anything out of it. And I feel like that's what happened with the filmmakers is they did not care. And thus we do not care. And there's nothing to get out. I of just it. would like to be a fly on the wall in that, in that meeting, you know, pre pro meeting about the script or some, I just don't, or their first table read. Well, I mean, here's the or, thing though. I don't think this is that unusual. Maybe it's certainly unusual for Tom Hanks's projects, but shit like this comes out. It gets made every all day. the time. That's true. It's on TV. It's on, it's in the theater. It's almost the norm really. It, this is most stuff, which is, I think why this episode is so significant in Tom Hanks giving is, I mean, we've done a, several episodes now where it's like, oh, this is really on the bottom of Tom Hanks's list for various reasons. But for the most part, every movie has something to say, and most of them are good to great. Yeah, I mean, like even like The Burbs, which gets a lot of flack. I from love people. The Burbs. Yeah, I mean, even The Burbs, which is frequently criticized, like has so much going. Like, like it, don't like it. It's got some. It's got a point of view. It's got some funny moments, like, you know, I, I like the Burbs too, but, like, a lot of people don't, and I think even its critics would have to admit that it has a lot going for it. Larry Crown just simply has nothing. <laughs> have you seen The Great Buck Howard? No. That movie, I think, there's a there's more story to it, but I think it's actually more boring. Really? I think I would rather rewatch this. Aye, aye, aye. I think this movie gets, I, yes, I, I like it better because at least... Guys. There is parts in this movie where I'm laughing at how absurd it is, and that's usually the portrayal of anyone under 30 years old. Yeah, it really it was it feels like a movie written by people who've never met someone under 30. Like they don't yeah. know anyone under 30. Like the weird disdain that they make the characters say with like, "Oh, they're all on their Facebook and Twitter." Yeah, like none of the none of the characters ring true. Like no, no one. Also, the scene where Rob Riggle shows up Delivering pizza <laughs> in a Mercedes was so offensively just like stupid. It was like it was like a, a, an insult to my intelligence that they yeah. had that happen. Uh, That's like an Adam Sandler, yeah, s- circa today kind of joke. Yeah, it really it didn't <clears throat> even fit. Well, I guess it kind of fit the tone of the movie, but like, is the movie trying to say something about how in 2011 this was a problem with like? middle-aged people like uh, people were losing jobs is it supposed to be saying something about the unemployment but or, or discrimination against people who don't have college degrees but I, that's like I don't if it, if it was it wasn't doing any it, in any kind of nuanced like sort of 
a clear argument. Especially because it completely fights against that argument when Talia drops out and is successful, question mark, in her business. She certainly has a, a, a voice and a, a product to sell. Yeah. So... Uh, I no th- research went into this movie. This they didn't th- even bother to buy like an economics 101 book and just like regurgitate some some keywords. This they, is the, the they j- maybe looked up the recipe for French toast. That's a, <laughs> that's about the extent of the research. How do you feel about that speech he gives at the very end, where he incorporates? Uh, oh, he incorporates uh, George Bernard Shaw. Mm. Um, it was. Fine, I guess, but it was more interesting than pretty much the rest of the movie. Yeah, it was. Made, it, it, it was one of the better scenes of the movie, but it's the nicest house in a bad neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it. It you know, not a plus worthy. I'll give it that. I'll tell you. I said that much. It was interesting because he was telling a story that was somewhat compelling. Like he was telling a story about his time in the navy. I'd much rather see a movie about Larry Crown's time in the navy than I would about him going back to school. They made that. It's called Captain Phillips. Oh God, yeah. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts on that scene? Uh, I mean, I just probably, because I, I think it's pretty decent, uh, the speech. Yeah, he incorporated uh, the... Every, and every character pretty much from the... Uh, yeah. I guess their speeches rather than character. Yeah, also that class seemed like it was a total waste of time. Oh, yeah, like, what is that teaching him? He, She's so, like, Julie Roberts is so sort of, like, flippant and self-righteous about her class, and yet it's clearly just not a very good class. Also, I like how, like, everybody kind of succeeds at the class, but she didn't actually take care and teach them until the last day yeah, because she was... Exercise. And then the, 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 the dean of students or whatever comes in and is so sort of perplexed with... Wasn't clear why. Yeah, like I, I, I realized like halfway through the movie. Oh, that's the dean, and is he watching her yeah. class because she's gonna fire her? She's not doing yeah. anything whenever she's, he's the, in the room. The way that he refers to her initially is like, you're gonna like the teacher, and then she, they, they had this like sexy intro for her where she's putting her shoes on outside mm-hmm. of the car, it was really bizarre, and, and, <laughs> it felt sort of inappropriate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, I, and that's like a Julia Roberts trademark is she likes to do like shoe shots wah, wah, wah. or foot shots. Is that true? Yeah. She likes to do it? She works it into every movie. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I've had a long conversation with some colleagues recently about foot shots. Oh, yes. I mean, they're in this movie. <laughs> because I, I have a lot of foot shots in my things, but I use them for practical editing reasons and a lot of at least some people that I work with don't like foot shots because they're like, well, those are going to end up on the internet and people have foot fetishes and I don't ah. want people fetish, you know, fetishizing my feet. And, uh, I mean, I can, I guess I can appreciate that, but on the other hand, I'm just like... I think the foot, the feet shots are, uh, they're, that, if, if it calls for it, yeah. I think they're nice. It breaks I mean, it people up. Are, people are... People are beaten off to everything. Man. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's your feet shots, any kind of shots. If, if your feet are getting beaten off to, I apologize, but it's, it's all the same, same time. That's kind well, of people a, are beaten off to photos of the rest of your body too. I mean, yeah, you know, people are just people are animals. Well, I mean, you got to be. I guess you got to embrace it, like Julia Roberts. Like, yeah, she wants to be top on that that website. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's so interesting. Why is it like a? Does she have a foot fetish? Is this a strategic thing? I mean, granted, all this is all like IMDB trivia and stuff like that. So who knows if it's actually accurate. But she does show up. 
Uh, she's like a barefoot person, so I don't know if it's like a specific, I want my feet in the shot, but she wants to be barefoot as often as possible. Maybe she just likes being barefoot. That Yeah, that could be it, but I guess she incorporates it into her characters, and thus it gets incorporated into... Do you like Julia Roberts? Cinema. What do you think of Julia Roberts? I, she's no... Shelley Long. She's no Shelley Long. I was going to say Meg Ryan, but I mean, I'm not... Outside of a few Tom Hanks movies, I'm not a big Meg Ryan fan either. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Larry, she's fine. She There are movies where I really like her. I just don't think she picks a lot of movies. I don't want to say bad movies, but just movies I'm not interested in. Yeah. This I'm is more her fair, like, than standard. Yeah. Uh, but, like, she's, you know, she's very enjoyable in uh, the Oceans movies, the one she's in anyway. Yeah, she's not bad in those. Mm-hmm. Aaron Brockovich, I guess. I mean, that's been. her... her Big movie where yeah. she won the Oscar and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, no, I think she's great at what she does. I feel like we haven't seen her in a while, but she's older-ish Pretty now. Woman. She's good in Pretty Woman. I never seen Pretty Woman, to be really? honest with you. No, never oh, saw it. You should do it, dude. I, it was against... Uh, my parents didn't want me to know about prostitutes when I was a kid. Really? So. They didn't want you to watch Pretty Woman for that reason? No, that's completely made up. Oh. I'd be, I, I don't, that would be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, that'd no. be worthy of its own podcast. <laughs> you would. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, anything else? Would you prefer the movie? It was called Lance Corona. Is that what she calls him? That's his fake gang name. Yeah, it was the stupidest part of the movie. That was his... I mean, it... <laughs> you know, it, 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 there were a lot of stupid parts of that movie, but the, the nickname thing was mm-hmm. so... I found all of the characters' attempts at humor to be very upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, it's like what reading the Doonesbury, but that's an insult to the Doonesbury. Uh, it's a very. Or you, you don't like Doonesbury? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't really read Doonesbury. So I'll cut that care. out. That was mean. No, it's. Um, I'm sure the guy who makes Doonesbury is not gonna. You should keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> At least there'll be some more conflict in this podcast than there was in this movie. Larry Crown is the king of bland Hanks, and there's. There's, I mean, outside of Buck Howard, I, I think I, I would rather still watch Larry Crown again. Because there's parts of Larry Crown where you can laugh at how stupid it is. Buck Howard is just boring throughout. When it yeah. shouldn't be. Uh, Buck Howard does have a little bit more ambition, but I hate the character, the main character. You can, no offense, y- Here's Colin the X. thing. Here's, here's my philosophy on Larry Crown and filmmaking. I think that you can have a... a a deficit of conflict sometimes you're going to have less conflict lower stakes if you really make the world feel real and you make the characters feel real because we are willing to sit in and watch what feel and be observers in the lives of others we feel that it's an authentic take on what it's like to be an older person going back to college Larry Crown completely failed in in painting what felt like an honest an authentic portrayal of of these characters, like they just they did not feel like real people. If they had felt like real people, I would have been much more on board. But you know, you can get away with that kind of thing when your characters feel real, but they they don't feel real. I to your you know to your credit and to end this on a more positive upbeat note, I think you're absolutely right. And we just have to look to Hanks's last picture. Uh, that thing you do is not super heavy on conflict, except for a few uh, key moments. But because the uh, authenticity of the characters and mm-hmm. of the story and the movement of the story, it's encapsulating and captivating. It's captivating. Sorry. It's captivating and thus. the capsule. It's captivating and thus compelling and uh, engaging to watch, even though it's not 
heavy on the drama. Yeah. So you don't, there's no one way you have to make a movie, but if you choose a, a specific thing to not have in your movie, you have to make sure the rest of it works without it. And Larry Crown does not. But how about that green screen footage at the end of them uh, on the scooter? Oh my god. How about that? I mean, any any of the shots of them on the scooter together were so horribly green screened. <laughs> it was it was very very distracting. I think the, the one shot that was uh, I really liked was I mean, it's a simple shot, so it's not complicated, but was when it was uh, through her car window parallel to him on the uh, Cause it's just it's, uh, on the scooter, and he's like, "Hey, hey, Miss Taino," just because it's it's like it's peekaboo, but like, oh, here's actual visual comedy. Oh, I like missed that shot somehow. It was the one visually comedic shot thing. in the movie. Oh god, it's 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 it. it's too bad. Uh, well, this has been fantastic. That's Larry Crown, um, Henry. Thanks for coming on the show. Anytime, man. Uh, anything uh, you uh, have something to plug? Yeah. Um, something else to watch when you're not watching Larry Crown for the people at home? Yeah. Hopefully it'll be out by the time the airing of this podcast. I have a, uh, should have a video coming out. Um, tentatively titled Cock Block. Ooh. <laughs> uh, it's, it should be, you know, pretty long, 15 minutes or so. It'll be on BuzzFeed. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's fun. And so, Julia Roberts will be Julia part of Roberts Cockblock? Julia Roberts is not in Cockblock. What about Tom Hanks? Uh, neither is Tom Hanks. We went for um, Randall Park some film. unknowns. Uh, Randall Park. I liked no, his cameo. I, yeah, Rand, what, a, what a tiny role for Randall Park. This must have been before he was... Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not big now, but he, he's notable now. Yeah, it must have taken him all of an afternoon to shoot that scene. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't have any big star power, but um, worked with some very talented young people partnered with Ashley Perez to make this video. So uh, it should be good. So check it out. And it sounds like there's going to be a lot of foot shots for you fetishists out there. Uh, there will be a couple feet shot in there. Yeah, a few, few feet shot, feet shots. A few feet, a few footi- foot shots. A few feet of footage. Oh. A, a few f- footage of feet. A few f- footi- feet of footage of feet. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be spectacular. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. All right. Uh, so, Cock Block, uh, if the name changes, I'll let you know, uh, and I'll put it down in the show notes at splotstudios.com. Uh, you don't have any social media. Shit, no, right? no, I don't have any social media. Well, uh, follow me at Elvis Kunish. That's uh, e, Elvis with an E. <laughs> Kunish with a K-U-N-E-S-H. Uh, follow the podcast at Tom Hanks Pod. Uh, and email us with your thoughts on Larry Crown and uh, Cockblock if you see it. Let us know or write it in the comments. That'd be better. Um, uh, TomHanksPod at gmail.com. Next week is A League of Their Own. That's great. Uh, Why don't we watch that? <laughs> that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Tom Hanks is a friend you can turn to when cold winds blow. And then you'll know Now and forever A friend in this world